When the new hire is the leader, it's a big change for the leader and for the team. Dr. Amalia Yansel and Jeremy Spidel from Truist Leadership Institute explores the psychology of this kind of change and shares how empathy is the key to help the team grow forward together. Amalia, is the leadership experience coming into a team in this capacity as the new person on the team, is this different than leadership where the leader is maybe more mature in their role in terms of the length of time that they've been in there? Is there a difference there? This is a great question, and um, I would say that there are so many differences, right? There are so many differences to account for, and um, I should probably build this response based on uh, my experience with receiving, I was on the receiving end, basically. So I was a teammate, and I was used to having a certain leadership style um, on the receiving end as a teammate. And after about two years with this leader, um, there was another one who came. And the leadership style couldn't be more different than what I had experienced before. So although the maturity, the experience of the leaders was similar, their style was completely and fundamentally different. So uh, I'm bringing this up because I think that this is really connected with, with what Jeremy was mentioning before of what you do in day one and paying attention to the connectedness uh, engagement driver is fundamental to really gauge where that team is at, to really understand um, how that team has been functioning. So instead of, uh, you know, coming at full-blown speed with your style, hey, this is me, uh, you know, take me or leave me, but this is my style, and this is how we are going to work from now on, trying to understand where the team is at. You know, that's uh, building that trust, um, building the supportive environment, understanding that people are going through change. Mm. And resistance is a, you know, is one of the stages in which people who are experiencing change done to them um, are going through. And resistance often comes as a result of the emotions that they are experiencing. So it sounds like, you know, leaders coming into this should see this as something to be mindful of as its own leadership experience. So even if they themselves feel like they're very accomplished, you know, leader who has had a lot of great experience and and feels very mature within their own leadership style, that coming into a team like this, they need to be very deliberate about the manner in which they introduce themselves into the team. I, yeah, I would agree I would with say that. That summarizes it. Yeah. Amalia, as you were talking, and Anna, your question, it made me think too about how biases can show up. And I know that's a hot topic these days. And I think that 2020 has certainly exposed to us that at least those of us that are trying to pay attention to to things like this, that we've got a lot of wiring in there, a lot of errors in the code, a lot of flaws that, um, that are showing up in our biases. And 
you know, for example, a leader could step into a new situation with what we call a recency bias, right? Like this worked for me in the last situation. It was the most recent situation I've had. Therefore, I'm going to take the exact same skills, the exact same approach into this next situation, and it should work. And while, right, there are some skills and uh, some levels of confidence that, that leaders have gained throughout their experience and they've developed and cultivated a sense of wisdom and discernment that they absolutely should capitalize on in that next position and they absolutely should bring those values and purpose and core elements into the equation, they are also likely to bring along some biases for the ride that can, if they're not careful, create some blind spots and maybe create some, some ways of thinking and ways of behaving that worked before, but maybe aren't going to be the best solution or the best application for the new situation. Mm. So what, there's been some times in my own career where we've had leadership change, we've known about it for months, sometimes it goes a long time to hire somebody, there's the change of a temporary manager, and then we've got the interviewing experience and it just seems like you know by the time we even had like the manager show up there we had already been through a whole lot to get there so for a leader is that something they need to be mindful of when they you know come in day one absolutely yeah i'll jump in on that anna and say yeah absolutely what you're really describing is empathy you know, just putting yourself as a leader in the hearts and minds of the people you are about to lead and thinking, well, I wonder what this situation has been like for them. This is, this is a journey for them. They've, they've lost an old boss. They've got a new one coming in. They've got some, there's, you know, the VUCA world that many, many of our listeners may be familiar with. You've got volatility with that. You've got uncertainty. You've got complexity. You've got ambiguity, right? That acronym, the VUCA, you've got all of that in the mix. So any, any great leader is going to empathize with that situation, understand what their, their people may be going through. And, you know, Amalia talks a lot about the, the loss that is experienced in the course of change. Um, Amalia, what do you think? Do you think, do you think that the loss is part of that empathy equation too? The resistance, right, as, a, as, an, as an experience is actually another word for um, for grieving the loss that mm. things are not the way that they used to be, right? The team dynamics will change as a result of the new leader coming. The relationship, the right relationship with the leader will change. Uh, there is unknown there. So uh, definitely, yeah. Um, and another thing that I would like to add is, is you were mentioning, Jeremy, that Anna was describing empathy. I feel like um, you know, one aspect that the leader is doing by paying attention to the people being at diverse, at, at different stages um, of change, experiencing change differently is appreciation for diversity, right? Not everybody is experiencing change in the same way. Uh, mm -hmm. Change by itself is definitely not a linear experience, right? So. If we go at the Leadership Institute, we talk about change done by me and change done to me. So as a leader, getting a new team, I'm basically kind of running the process and implementing the change, but the team will experiencing it as change done to me. 
And mm-hmm. even though they might have gotten used to the idea, right, and at the beginning they were in denial and resistance, but then they're like, you know what, we are going to, you know, it happens, it happens all the time. So you get to exploration and commitment, this being the four phases. Um, you can go back in the cycle, going back to your question, Anna, right? And you can move through exploration and resistance. Um, you have an idea that you got used to it, but the first day you are meeting that person, maybe the chemistry is not there, or maybe it's there, right, for some some people. So there are so many elements there that make me think that it's important for the leader to be aware of um, diversity, diversity of thought, diversity of experience, diversity of um, any possible kind that you can imagine that will make people experience it differently. And uh, it's important that the leaders use this empathy to appreciate it and to pay attention to it. You know, I kind of early in my career, I was in a, a group and we had four different managers in the course of um, a year. And so the first manager change, I was like, okay, we got this. I'm going to make form a bond with the new leader. This is going to be great. They came in and I, I made a conscious effort to embrace the change that they brought. And then three months later, they left. And I was like, uh, okay, um, let me try again. And this leader, the second leader came in and they came in really strong and they changed a massive amount. And, and it was hard on the team. And, and they, I think they kind of came in with the approach of this is how my, my last team did it and this is how we're going to do it to the letter. And it wasn't, I think, appropriate to what we were being asked to deliver on. And it was just very challenging. And they left within two months. So it's like they implemented all this change. And right about the time we were like, okay, we're doing it, they left. And so by the time the next leader came, I was completely, uh, this, this is me being very vulnerable, completely glazed over. I didn't even bother learning their email address. I was just like, they're not going to be here more than a couple weeks. They wanted to implement, they sent out all these emails about changes they wanted to implement. I didn't read any of the emails. And so like when they left six weeks later, I felt very validated in, in that. And so when we got that fourth leader who ultimately stayed um, in that role for years and did some tremendous work, by the time that they got there and they were like, they were meeting me, I was like, nah. No, thanks. Not, I don't know who you are. I'm not interested in knowing who you are. You will not last. I will outlast you. You don't care about me. You don't care about the department. You'll just be here long enough to get your next promotion. And it was a very, and I know, I know I wasn't the only teammate that they faced that with. And I look back on that and I'm, I'm embarrassed because I made it difficult for the leader who was going to stay, right? It was harder for them to reach me and engage me. I was completely checked out. And, and to be honest, at that point, I was looking for other jobs myself because I just couldn't take another round of it. So, Jeremy, I know you're, you're like the master of reframing real-life situations into the change curve. You did an amazing job of that on another podcast episode around covid can you take me through and make meaning of my experience within the change curve? Wow. Well, first of all, 
I'm sorry, all that happened. That's a lot of transition for anybody to endure. So, um, you know, you mentioned you were embarrassed at your response, but I, you know, I think that it was a very, very natural, normal response to to a tough situation that the organization was continuing to put you in. And um, you know, props to you for for recognizing it and being aware of it, paying attention to it, and, and figuring out how to make sense of it. Um, I, I would say in the in the change done to you curve. Uh, you know, the, the first phase of that is typically denial that we go through, and, and that's where it's like, well, you know, this isn't going to really impact me. Uh, this isn't going to, uh, this is going to blow over. I'm going to put my head in the sand. I'm going to cross my fingers that this doesn't really impact me in any way. And then when the change hangs around long enough, and all of a sudden we realize it's not going away, and it is going to happen, that is typically when we get into that phase of resistance. And that's where, as Amalia has been talking about, we start to realize we're gonna lose something. And sometimes we might lose uh, a, a boss or a manager, and we might even be happy about that. Like we might think, hey, this is actually a good thing, but you're still losing some level of normalcy, some level of expectation, some level of what you have known in the past. And we feel those and we deal with those um, on an on a emotional uh, level as human beings when, when we go through those changes. And so uh, there can be some resistance to the change that shows up because of that loss in that second phase. And so for, for me, what I'm hearing is you, you jumped in, you, you didn't really, you, you cruised right through denial and you didn't even really resist. And the first time it happened to you, you went straight to phase three, which is exploration. How can I explore? How can I fit into this? This is great. I want to be there. Like, you know, and then, and then you even got into phase four, which is commitment. I'm, I'm ready to commit. Let's go. I, I'm all in. And it sounded like you did that a couple times, and then you realized, like, I'm, I'm burning a lot of energy here, and I'm not really getting very much in return. And so the next time it happened, you you weren't in denial about it. You just basically stayed in resistance. Like you you didn't have the energy to explore the situation. It was costing you too much. Look at what happened in the past when you explored and you committed. You got burned, and so it makes sense, total sense to me that you would say, mm -mm, not this time. Uh huh. You're gonna be here for four months, and then you're gonna hop on, and we're gonna be left to, to pick up the pieces. I don't think so, <laughs> and that that totally makes sense. And also. Let's connect this, you know, what we've talked about engagement. Think about, think about, you just described somebody who's not engaged. You know, it, like you were disconnected. Uh, you didn't feel very important or valued or they wouldn't be making those decisions as an organization. You didn't have control over the situation. The clarity was taking a hit because things were murky and changing every time. You know, fairness, like they were 0 for 5 on, mm -hmm. on, on engagement level, so you've got an unengaged person who's in resistance to, to the change, that's really tough. And so, again, props to you for actually navigating your way out of it with that fourth one, that fourth person who eventually, you know, you, you came around to and, and warmed up to, and sounds like you got to a good place there. Um, that's hard to do. It takes a lot of effort and makes total sense to me of why uh, you would have been in that place after just repetition of disappointment. So Amalia, let's spin that on on its head because you know Jeremy just did a great analysis of it from my perspective. Let's take it from the perspective of that fourth leader who comes in and they encounter stubborn, burned out Anna, who is really not 
like I'm just checked out. I'm looking for other jobs at this point. I am not committed at all to this change. Um, for that leader who is encountering that with one or more people on the team, what would be your advice for mitigating that? What do they do about that? First of all, I appreciate your vulnerability sharing this. I think this is great having an example that we can actually build on and make it clear for um, our audience to, to understand how the um, teammates are experiencing this. And um, now let's look at how the leader who is in the position that you described uh, might experience this. And we were talking before that we as a leadership institute look at the change from two perspectives, from two angles. So change down to me, which Jeremy had um, very, very clearly explained and went through the phases. Um, but there is also change done by me. So um, very often leaders, more often than teammates, find themselves in the role, in the role of change done by me. And as I come, you know, being excited, hopefully, right, <laughs> being excited to, um, to start lead a, a new team, I might be in the first stage that uh, certainty that I'm going to do a great job, um, especially if I had previous experiences, I worked with um, high-performing teams, um, I will be like, okay, this is it, um, I'm going to do the same thing um, again. So. I'm optimistic about the future with this theme. And after one day or two days, or I don't know how long it might take, I will experience you, Anna, after that third leader that, that you had, right? Uh, with the lack of engagement, with, um, uh, so with the lack of engagement and with the maybe a lot of uh, cautiousness around um, the longevity that I might have with the team. So noticing the reactions, if I'm paying attention to the reactions of the teammates, I might become pessimistic, um, but pessimistic in, in that I'm seeing the signs that things might not be as great as I expected them to be. So I would be moving in what we uh, describe as phase two of change done by me, which is doubt. So if I would consider a, a continuum where at the beginning I was in this, um, I was certain that everything was going to be great, and at the other end of the continuum is uh, all the signs that uh, make me feel a bit pessimistic, then if I'm aware of, of my own emotional experiences, I can bring this to the middle where it's that hopeful realism. I'm hopeful that I can bring this theme to the level that I envision, but also while paying attention to where my teammates are. Uh, acknowledging where my teammates are. You mentioned vulnerability earlier. So having that vulnerability to explain the team, hey, listen, I know you guys have been through a lot of uh, change. I know you have had two or three leaders over the last year. How is that for you? How have mm. you experienced that? That must be hard. 
And if I might hear cricket, you know, maybe people don't trust me, you know, don't expect that people are suddenly going to feel vulnerable and get ready to, to jump in being engaged. But I modeled that behavior for the team. And if I'm consistent in doing that, then that's going to be a behavior that the other teammates might um, get used to it, might see that, okay, this is it. This is the person. They are real. This leader, they are like that. They really mean it. So then together, we can get into the exploration that Jeremy was mentioning um, a little earlier, and they might get to feel a commitment, right? You, Anna, as that teammate who went through three leaders, might feel like, okay, maybe this person, this leader right now, she's not going to be here for, or he's not going to be here for more than four months or six months. But while he or she is here, we are going to trust each other. I mean, I, we are going to try to do the best that we can. And me as a leader, I'm moving from doubt to hope, and then I'm going to be confident that I'm going to do the best I can to move this thing where I envisioned. Amalia, you're really striking a, a note for me because I remember going through with each new leader a new interview with them where they would, I'd come in and they'd be like, describe to me what you do, describe to me what your strengths are and where your weaknesses are and what you feel you bring unique to the team. I don't remember anyone ever asking me, what has this experience been like to you? Or a question that I think I always wish them to ask, especially after we'd gone through the third or the fourth, you know, like, I think I really would have loved for them to say, based on the fact that you've now gone through several leadership changes, what have you seen from the previous leaders that seem to work really well for the team? And what were some of the things that didn't, that I should be aware of, that, you know, maybe we can borrow some good things from previous experiences and maybe make sure we avoid some potholes that you guys have already been through? There wasn't any of that, but I think just being asked the question would have been a very powerful olive branch to me and might have warmed me up quite a bit faster. Yeah, that's the acknowledgement. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> I just no, no, go ahead, go ahead. Say that, yeah, that's the acknowledgement. So that, that's where you feel acknowledged. You feel validated. Your experience, Anna, um, is validated. And that's where you start feeling like, okay, so, I'm, you know, maybe I trust this person. Maybe um, I can connect to this person. So, yeah, that's the, the value of feeling validated. Also, I, I kind of feel like there's almost a, a spirit of collaboration, you know, like, give me feedback, give me thoughts about what worked and what didn't work. That's like a, now we have a joint goal together to make this successful. We're working together. We're instantly on that same side where even if I am a little bit resistant at first, we've kind of already started to set the tone for, for a mutual alliance. Yes, I would. Yeah, there's a ton of collaboration in, in that. Just by asking a question, I think leaders sometimes think that, they have to create this giant game plan and strategy. And sometimes it can be as simple as asking, hey, how are you feeling? How are you doing with this? What have you learned? What have you seen? I'm new to this game. Talk to me. Like, just, just that. It takes 10 seconds to ask that question. 
and then you know a, a couple minutes to listen really listen actively to the to the answer but by doing that you're getting first of all you're getting some great data you're getting some great information that's going to help you as a leader like figure out your recipe for success but secondly and i would say more importantly you're doing the thing that, that that we talked about earlier, which is you really are. I know, I know we've been talking about these engagement drivers, but you really are hitting engagement right off the bat. And and if and if in yeah. that to me, it's very difficult for any leader to accomplish anything with a team if you don't have a group of engaged people. It's really difficult. You you might you might get there once or twice, but it's hard to sustain a high level of excellence if people aren't engaged. So on the other hand, when people are engaged, it's tough to stop them. Look, I get it. Who has time for relationships when there's work to be done? If you're new to leading a team, shouldn't you focus on getting the work done first and then worry about the relationships? Join us on our next episode to see what our experts have to say. Are you following us on LinkedIn? It's a great way to see bonus content, including the new video we just released about the difference between management and leadership. Search for us by name on LinkedIn, Truist Leadership Institute. For show notes or to learn more about Truist Leadership Institute, visit us on the web at truestleadershipinstitute.com. Leadership Amplitude is a podcast production of Truist Leadership Institute. All rights reserved.